New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. My fantastic co-host Andrea Donsky is away today. I have been feeling stuck. I've been going through some things in my life and looking at my career and just I had a very traumatic thing happen recently and, and I've just been kind of feeling stuck and trying to love myself more and, and really take some time to figure out what I want to do. So when I was asked, would you like to interview Dr. Dinora Nieves, aka Dr. D, I said, heck yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like an answer to my prayers. So uh, Dr. D is a behavioral scientist, personal development coach. She works with clients across the country, providing tools to become healthier, happier, more productive by shifting their thoughts and behaviors that block them from leading fulfilling, balanced lives. You've probably seen her on national television. She provides research-based advice and insightful commentary in her lifestyle blogs featured in the HuffPo, Mind Body Green, and Savannah East. You've also probably seen her at the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Foundation, Mary J. Blige Center for Women and Girls. She is incredible. And today we're going to be talking about her book, Love You, the Latina Edition. Hello there, Dr. D. So excited to have you on. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of an intro. I'd like you to travel with me. <laughs> Yes, I would love. Well, we yeah. See, we need we need to talk. So, I I yeah. love your book, and I just you had this incredible poem that was so great talking in in the book to sort of bring you talked a little bit about your journey and then what the book is about. And I so I love this part. You say so within its mix, mixture of research, memoir, advice, and poetry, you'll likely find that this book holds the key to help you change what you do by examining what you feel and working through what you your thoughts might be and learning to take the steps necessary to begin rewriting your destiny. Embark with me on this faith-filled, fun-filled, fabulous journey, and let's see where it leads. Your happiness is waiting. Are you ready to proceed? Yes, I am. And I think a lot of people out there Good. listening <laughs> feel the same way. So tell us how you came to this, Dr. D, how you, you know, oh, found wow. your way. Yeah, so um, I think it was a mixture of personal and professional uh, things that just sort of overlapped. I spent an inordinate amount of my time um, working in the helping professions as a counselor, as a mediator, and then as a coach. Um, and so there was a lot of work in that area, too, that kind of moved me in the direction of self-help and, and personal and professional improvement. And then there was all of my crappy relationships <laughs> that definitely <Right. laughs> opened a lot of doors to self-discovery. And, um, you know, at some point I found myself divorced and living on my own in New York City for the first time and paranoid about, you know, who's breaking in my window after a Law & Order marathon and, you know, who, how am I going to get my life back on track and can I handle being alone and what does it say about who I am and what I deserve or what I can handle. And so I just had all of these questions brewing and more questions than answers, which I think is, is definitely my thing in life um, and I think is a good way to move through the world. And I had to figure out how do I get to better questions. And so, really, I started to journey inward, um, spend more time with myself, figure out what I enjoyed, who was I for myself, by myself, without the need for anyone else, um, and really take it from there. And it was, it was a journey. It was a journey getting to know myself. It was a journey unpacking all of the stories I had told myself about who I was and who I was supposed to be 
and who I was supposed to be with and what I was supposed to have and what I was supposed to do and really dismantling all of those things and recentering so that I could figure out the truth of who I was as opposed to the things I had been telling myself for years. Um, and it was hard and awesome right. and delicious and stressful <laughs> and phenomenal <laughs> and disgusting all at the same time. Um, but definitely a journey well worth it and hopefully something that people can use to guide them through some of the same pieces of their lives as they move further inward in the work. Now, I mentioned that this book, Love You, the Latina edition, you, you focus on Latinas because you write in the book, Latinas are expected to be selfless, self-sacrificing, and over-focused on others. How did this play out in your own life? Yeah, so um, I do have Love You, and then I went specifically mm -hmm. into the Latina edition, re-released it with a couple of extra um, pages dedicated particularly to my Latina readers because I know that there's an ethnic script that follows right. us. Now, Latinas are definitely not the only ones who have this. I have a lot mm -hmm. of friends from a lot of different ethnic and racial backgrounds that identify with that, but this is what it looks like for us, right? This idea sure. of um, Marianismo and, you know, the role that Catholicism played, colonialism, and how that applied to Latin America and the way that we were taught that the virtuous woman is, you know, the, the Mary, right? This this right. sort of martyr, self-sacrificing, um, nurturer who puts everyone before them and who is motivated by family and is selfless and not selfish and all of those messages that we get about being a woman and about community and how it trumps, you know, personal um, interests. And I think in many ways they are really good messages because they hold us in solid relationship with other people, but in some ways they can destroy the pieces of us that need to be looking out for us. And so really what I wanted to do with the Latina edition is give other Latinas and other women of all ethnic backgrounds permission to say, uh, I get how I got like this and I'm not doing that anymore, right? Like I understand right. why I was taught to be this way and I get the value of it and I can keep some of it. But some of this I can rethink, rewire, reprogram, redo, and really put myself first and find a way to enrich my life so that when I am there for other people, I'm doing it in a full, helpful, supportive way that is not emptying me out, but is using all of the abundance in my life to further support the people who I love and who are around me. So that was really my oh, I goal. Love that. In this particular oh, that's edition. great. Have you seen the reboot of One Day at a Time with Justina Mercado? And, I um, haven't yet. I haven't. Oh, my I, gosh. So I'm super you binging. Have to. Everything uh, I'm talking about is making right me. And then I'm going to Oh, that's to that. so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The reason to go to that, I think, is... And I've been having so much fun watching it with my daughter. Now, I've, I watched the original one day at a time, okay? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in my early 50s. And so I loved that. But seeing this one and just the way, and Rita Moreno, I can't even believe, I'm so embarrassed I forgot her name for a second. But just seeing oh, the no, way they mix in their, their Latin culture. And I think there was an episode, like, looking at this, the way, you know, her mom, you know, wants her to take care of, not take care of herself as well because you're supposed to take care of everybody. Or there was something like that when you're talking. I'm going, why, why mm -hmm. is this so familiar? You know, and so I thought, oh, my gosh, she has to see this show. Everyone should be seeing it. It's yeah, really well sure. done. It brings up a lot oh, of good. good issues around being Latina. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm looking forward like to it. it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I love that they put Rita Moreno in there. I'm a big fan. Oh, me too. Oh, my gosh. I will always love West Side Story, even though it always breaks my heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of being heartbroken, <laughs> in the book, you talk about loneliness. And I was talking to a psychiatrist recently, and she said that is so... People don't realize how awful that is and how bad that is mm. for your health and your mental health. And it really, you know, I, I had, um, I recently lost my best friend since I was 12. And every Sunday we would talk Sorry. for years. And, oh, thank you. And the sense of just like, yeah, I have other people in my life and I've got my husband and my daughter, my dogs and whatever. But there was something about that that left this loneliness in me. And, and you talk about how your loneliness worsened into anxiety and talk about that a little bit and depression. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is this idea that overcomes us when we're alone um, mm -hmm. for a majority of people where they start to focus on the difference between where they thought they would be and where they actually right. are. And it creates such a distance from yourself. And I think that's where the loneliness comes in. Loneliness is not so much about being alone in solitude as it is right. about feeling that there's a distance between you and you, right? And right. that you have somehow left you alone, <laughs> you know? And so oh, yeah. I think that that for me was the devastating piece of the experience. It was not so much about physically being alone as it was about dealing with the disappointment that I felt about how my life was somehow not where I imagined it. And that meant every piece of my life, right? So as that thought starts to overwhelm you, then it colors everything you see. So you don't look right. the way you wanted to look. You don't have mm. the job you wanted to have. You're not with the partner right. you wanted to be with. You're not driving the car you wanted to drive. You're not, you know, all of a sudden it, it colors your view in such a way that everything you see around you fails in comparison to what you think you want or what you think you deserve or what you think you should have accomplished. And I think that's where the anxiety really kicks in. Because if you're feeling helpless in that moment, if you know that you want a different life from what you currently have and you don't have the means to achieve it and you've worked so hard for where you are, that you're already exhausted, then what do you do? You know, that, that I think is right. the the question that eats us up when you sit at home at night and, and it happens to everyone. It's so interesting because I spend a lot of time around celebrities now and whatever. And, and the people that you most compare your life to are mm -hmm. also busy comparing their lives to other people. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so you spend all this time, right? Like, and it's been very sobering, right. I think, because you realize that everyone is really just competing with their own imagination. And that's right. it. And you just spend so much time competing with your imagination. And so how do you align? That was the work for me. It was how do I align in a way where when I look around, I'm grateful. Not in a way that makes me complacent, right? Because I'm an overachiever right. and that's just who I am. And I'm always going to be like, oh, I can do a little more, you know. And I, I wake up mm -hmm. at 3 in the morning and put something into the notes, you know. So that's, that's going to be a piece of my personality. But how does it become something that I'm excited about as opposed to anxious about? How do I look right. around and feel happy and feel grateful and feel content and not create this sort of insatiable need for more all of the time? Oh and that was, that was my work. That's what I'm struggling with. 
Right. That insatiable yeah. need for more. It's never enough. Like, okay, I wrote the book and I did this and I did this, but I'm still not where I'm at. And should I keep going with it? Yeah. Or should I do something else? Or when is it going to be enough? It's so frustrating. It I'm is. Really it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the part of it is let yourself off the hook sometimes because we're socialized right. that way. Right. We, sure. we are socialized into a society that revolves around an economy and the large part of our economy is based in helping us feel like we're not enough because that's how they sell us every damn thing. So from a very (laughs) early age, we're sort of socialized to believe we're not enough and that we need to do more, work more, get more, buy more, you know, whatever. And so there's a piece of it that really is just about the way we've been socialized. And sometimes I have to remember that I've been programmed to think these thoughts and it doesn't make me weak or inherently evil or whatever I, you know, come up with to have those moments. But I think the difference is, are those moments in time in your life, or is that your life? Mm, yes, that's so important, because you can get stuck yeah. thinking this is just it, and then give up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're always going to have moments that you're like, oh, I really, right. I need a bigger house, or I need a car with four-wheel drive, or, you know, I need whatever. You know, those moments right. are real. Um but when you wake up that way and go to bed that way and it dominates the large part of your day, then you have to do some more work on what exactly. it is that you really feel about yourself. When is enough going to be enough? You know, how hard do you have to work to be happy with who you are? Right. And that's why this book is so great, because you have ways to help us. You have expand your mind, mm-hmm. find your center, soothe your soul, balance your career, align your pocket, strengthen your connections, honor your body celebrate your surroundings. So let's look at, since we've been kind of talking about career, balance your career. You have suggestions. What Love what you do, do what you love, and answer your calling. And that can be tough when you feel like you're trying to answer your calling, but either the money's not there or something went wrong or something fell through or... And then you start to feel like, is this, am I in the right place? And then you have to really, you know, look at everything going on and, and, you know, make some decisions, right? But not be too hasty. Because again, we all have ups and downs like you talked about. Absolutely. And, you know, the reality is that your calling is a joyous, purposeful calling. So whenever you find yourself stressed, you're out of alignment with whatever that calling is. I think people Mm -hmm. get into trouble because your calling is the activity. What you expect the activity to bring you gets you out of alignment with your calling, right? So Uh, if your calling is to draw, uh, I'm just making that up, and you're drawing, then you're, you're following your calling. But when you start to, okay, but I'm not selling the painting, and what if nobody likes it, and I don't have enough likes on Instagram, and I need some more followers, and, you know, which is very easy to do, don't I know it, um, then that's when you start to step out of the sphere (laughs) of following your Mm -hmm. calling, because now you're following your ego. You can't follow your calling and your ego at the same damn time. (laughs) Right? So you have to make a choice there. (laughs) You know, yes, and only one do. of them is going to make you happy because <laughs> that ego is a tricky <laughs> little thing. You know, it wants to keep you safe, right. but it'll do it even to the detriment of your joy. Mm, that is so true. You are just absolutely fantastic, by the way. I mean, really, I'm just Oh, thank this. you. Really I don't make great. this stuff up. It just comes to me and I say it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about the first one, expand your mind. And you have these great suggestions, yeah. draw, write, and read. Talk to us about those. Yeah. So so let me say this just to frame it a little bit. So sure. what I found was that um, I was doing a lot of these self 
activities, these self-discovery activities to try to figure out who I was, what I needed, what I wanted, what I was about. And I came across this model um, of the eight dimensions of wellness that was put forth by a woman by the name of Peggy Swarbrick. She's out of Rutgers. And I loved it. Um, And it really looked at a holistic approach, which you'll love, to to mm-hmm. wellness. It talks really right. about mind, body, soul, and she so she puts it out in these eight dimensions, which are emotional, financial, social, spiritual, occupational, um, physical, mm-hmm. intellectual, and environmental. And so she goes through those. And in the research, the more that I looked at it, the more I I identified it as sort of what I was doing, right? That it was requiring me to look at all of these different angles of my life and and really get right in each of those areas in order to be more balanced and have a happier life. Because most of us, what we do is we shine in one area and we suck in the other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, I'll, I have like these great yoga teachers who physically are phenomenal, but then their finances are falling apart, you know? Or you have these right. people who are like super intellectually brilliant, but then they have no emotional intelligence, right? Or, or you know, whatever. Right. So we all know those people and we've all been those people. And so my work was to try to figure out how do I get better in all of these things and really start to strengthen myself from different angles. So that's how I broke down the book. So the the first eight of the 12 ways to be who you love and love who you are really focus on developing yourself in those eight dimensions of wellness. So as you mentioned, um, balancing your career is really about your occupational wellness, right? Finding your center is really about your emotional wellness, that kind of thing. So the intellectual wellness piece, is really about getting your mind rewired. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really important because I had really lost my creativity. You know, I'm, I'm a poet, I'm an artist, right. and I spent a lot of time in school, and it focused me in a different direction. And so my brain had become very academic, particularly as I was finishing my doctoral program, and I was doing all of this great, quote-unquote, brainy work, but I wasn't <laughs> expressive. And there was a piece of my brain that was just kind of dying. And so when I sat back with myself, that was what I started to look at. I needed to read, I needed to write, and I needed to draw. Because I needed to expand my mind in these different angles that really allowed all of the pieces of my brain to wake back up and to reconnect and to inspire me, to move me forward. So that's what I suggest to people in the book. Even if you're not an artist even if you're not a writer, even if you're not a reader. I'm a horrible reader, which I've been told I shouldn't say after writing a book, but I am. (laughs) Like, I I will read the same passage three or four times because I zoned out at some point and I got to start over. Or I'll read a sentence and then I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And it's because I read a word that wasn't there. And so I have to reread it, right? And so I'm not a great reader, you know, even though I have a uh, doctorate. I'm not a great reader, but I love to read because I love what I learned from reading. And so I just started to read, and the more I did it, the more easy it became. And the same thing with drawing and the same thing with writing. Even if they're not going to be your professional goals or they're not going to be the occupation that moves you forward or they're not going to be your passion, they open up different pieces of your mind and help to expand Mm -hmm. your brain in such a way where you look at the world different, you look at your life differently. You can interact with people in a different way. And that's what we want to do is spark change. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. Oh, I think so too. I mean, there's so many different things I want to talk about. Strengthen your connections. Uh, I love the suggestions. Be honest, picky, and vulnerable. And then also celebrate your surroundings. Enjoy nature, decorate to inspire, and live free. I'm lucky. I live in a town that's a third conservation land. So about a quarter mile from, from us today, my daughter has a doesn't have school today because of the snow. And we went sledding. It wasn't the best sledding because <laughs> the snow was too deep, but we still had fun. Yeah, Our two yeah. dogs ran around and and then when the spring oh, comes great. and I can walk in the woods every day, right? And it's beautiful. And I feel like I feel more alive, like, you know, when I'm getting out in nature. And and right now, I, I'm really trying to strengthen my connections. You know, like I mentioned, the loss of my best friend. I'm trying to, to get out there and make new friends and, and feel more connected to people. So what advice do you have? Because it's right. hard as you get to be an adult, right? I mean, with social media, I can name 25 people that I regularly interact with. But yet it, it's, it hasn't gone super deep, right? And I, I, it's hard yeah. as you get older. I think that vulnerability yeah. piece is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I realized, that the, the more healthy and functional you are as an adult, the more right. you start to understand that you are your own responsibility, right? And so right. one of the things we do, though, is we overcorrect. And so we mm-hmm. learn about codependence and we learn about... Um, you know, boundaries, and we learn about space. And so we create these healthy but distant relationships often um, when you're a healthier, functional adult in the world. And I think what ends up happening is we we veer to the other end of the spectrum. Now we're so boundaried. Now now we're so clear and worried about not pouring our stuff all over other people that we're not having genuine interaction. And I think there has to be a balance. And that's what I like and what I really um, encourage about the vulnerability. I don't make other people responsible for my feelings, but I'm honest about what they are. And I have really good emotional conversations with anybody. (laughs) Like, Mm, I used to be the kind of person where if you said, how are you doing? I'd be like, oh, I'm good. How are you? Now I'm like, well, I'm a little anxious and I'm managing my anxiety by doing A, B, and C. And people will just be like, oh. Okay, and it's a self-selection process because if you couldn't handle that sentence, honey, you can't handle this friendship. (laughs) So, bye. (laughs) And if you could handle the sentence, then we have a real conversation. And then we have a real genuine interaction to bond over. And then you feel more comfortable telling me what your emotional experience for today is. And then we can have some real conversations about that. And now there's a reciprocation that's happening. And so you start to build more genuinely. I think it's important that we learn how to be more vulnerable. And it doesn't mean making people responsible for your feelings, but it does mean being honest about what it is you're feeling. You don't have to be okay all the time. You know, that does not make you a a healthier, happier, more functional human being. That makes you a liar. (laughs) So don't lie about what you're feeling. Exactly. You know? Oh, completely. Now, when you add all this together, all of these great things that we talked about, uh, you know, strengthening your everything, <laughs> I should say, when we look yeah, at you know, yeah, everything sure. overall, right? That leads to the love. So people are saying, okay, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on my work. I'm going to work on my vulnerability. I'm going to work on my self-care. I'm going to work on my health. And then how does this translate into loving me? Because I love how the book is called Love You. Yeah, it's, it's, automatic almost it's instantaneous almost because i don't think that anyone i don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't love themselves i think that people have stopped activating it 
right? right? So I think that we're born with it. There's an, there's an internal fascination with who we are. You know, we stare at our toes, you know what I mean? And we'll, you know, we'll just, we're, we're just fascinated with ourselves at first. And then the world happens and you're, you know, you're taught to be more self-sacrificing, which in and of itself is, is, is a good way to look at the world sometimes, right? And you're taught right. to, you know, think, think of yourself as less than in some instances so that they can sell you things. Again, I'm really obsessed with that. But like, you know, you could be thinner, you could be smarter, you could work harder, you could have this, you could have that. So as as we grow, I think some of that self-love just erodes because of the social Mm -hmm. programming. And as you learn to know yourself more and you spend more time with yourself and you strengthen yourself in all of these areas, I think what you start to, it's not that you learn to love yourself, it's that you remember that you do. And, and it becomes oh, a more important focus in your life. And you are less likely to believe the lies that are being told to you about how not good enough you are. And so it really isn't about learning to love yourself as much as it is about remembering how much you love yourself so that you can't be lied to by yourself or anyone else. Oh my gosh, Doctor D, you are fabulous. I mean, we have to talk all the time. Oh. I just think you're wonderful. Oh, tell I know. I so enjoy talking to you. Yeah, well, well, tell us all the ways we can find you in your wonderful books. Okay, so so my website www.denoranieves.com. That's D I N O R A H N I E V E S. So that's www.denoranieves.com. And you can get all of my information there. My blogs are there. I have a monthly podcast. Um, I have a self-care challenge for all of you to do 30 days on YouTube. Um, You can find everything that you need there. And then I'm also Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all denoranieves.com as well as LinkedIn. Fantastic. Denora, I'm really excited. Uh, excited to have you back. I want to also thank yeah. our sponsor this month. It is Organic India. Uh, seasonal cleaning is a time-honored tradition in Ayurveda. Cleansing in the spring is one of the gateways to true wellness, preparing your body and mind for the new season by shedding those protective winter pounds, reestablishing your natural state of balance, and increasing your energy and vitality for the longer days ahead. Organic India is transforming the wisdom of ancient traditions into accessible, easy modern day practices to support you in achieving true wellness year round. So visit organicindiausa.com to learn more. Super excited about their wonderful line of Tulsi and Moringa products. So be sure to visit them. I want to thank everyone for listening. Dr. D, you're fantastic. You can check us out on social media at, and oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to be chatting (laughs) at uh, your radio MD at naturally uh, savvy at Andrea Donsky at health media. Miguel One, thanks so much and stay well.